Well, let's thank the Lord for each other. You know, to follow up on uh, Robin's comments, Christians were first called, believers were first called Christians in Antioch. And I believe it's because they looked at them and said, this is what Christ looked like. Uh, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love does any man have than this that he lays down his life. He says no to himself, yes to the Father, for the sake of his friends. You know, brothers and sisters, that can start in our family before this afternoon is out. You and I will have an opportunity to say no to ourselves and yes to Father for the sake of someone in our family. Whether it be a show that they want to watch that we don't want to watch, if it's something they want to eat that we don't want to eat, if there's something they want to do that we want to do, if we can just say no to ourselves and yes to Father for their sake, that, that unleashes love, that unleashes Father's love into the universe. I'd like for us to take a moment and... Uh, pray for Christ's church throughout the world right now. Dear Father, we uh, thank you that we are connected um, from the heart, from the mind, through your spirit to believers uh, throughout the world today. Uh, from the four corners of the world, Father, we are, we are one body. We are indivisible. We are united. When one prospers, we all prosper. When one weeps and sorrows, we all sorrow. We are uniquely one. And Father, we do lift up today our brothers and sisters who throughout the world are suffering all sorts of hardships and persecution for your gospel. Uh, Father, in, in Somalia, in, in Egypt, Father, in Iraq, Father, uh, in Sudan, all over the world, Father, we pray for their protection, their encouragement, um, for the salvation of those to, who torment them, and we pray for their relief. We also remember, Father, those who have fallen victim today of war and disease, crime, accidents, uh, natural disasters, those left widowed and orphaned, uh, the crippled, the blind, those without home, those without shelter, those without food, those without clothing, those without the hope of Christ. Father, we, we pray for, for their salvation. We pray for all those who are trying to reach out to them, who are ministering to them, Father, and to their needs. We pray for your church throughout the world that you would enlarge and multiply it for each of us. Grace to say no to ourselves, yes to you, for the sake of one another and for the extending of your kingdom. Father, we thank you for one another. We thank you for our friends, our family, all of our loved ones. We thank you most of all for your Holy Spirit who brings us your very life, for your Son and your Spirit who indwell us, who are always in prayer for us. We thank you for the plans you've made for us, for the abundant provision you've given us. Thank you for this cool room and, and safe place to, worship, place to worship. Thank you for our health today. Father, now I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to be with us, that um, he would uh, work and teach through me to illuminate uh, your very uh, sermon, Lord Jesus, uh, and bring that in a very personal way to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I've mentioned to you before, Man waited thousands of years, thousands of years, to hear God speak in sentences other than the Ten Commandments. And we got it. We got it in the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, who is no one less than God, but never more than a man. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, we have 85% of the distilled teaching of Christ about everything. Oh, he says a few things about other things, other places. But basically, the heart of all of Christ's teaching is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he starts off by saying, Blessed are those who understand that spiritually they are poor. Blessed are those who understand that apart from me they can do nothing. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus tells us other places the kingdom of heaven is, is within you, within us, and that the kingdom of heaven is all that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? Mourn their independence. Mourn their not abiding in him. And what happens when we don't abide in him? The flesh manifests. And what does the flesh look like? Where well, the flesh is ugly. It's not patient. It is kind, not kind. It seeks its own way. It seeks its own will. It's lustful. It's hurtful. It's harmful. It is independent of God. And then he goes on to say, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And who are the meek? And what is meek? Is meek weak? We're told that of all men on the face of the earth, Moses was most meek. Jesus speaks of himself and says, Come and learn of me. I am meek and lowly of spirit, and you'll find rest yourselves. Meek is not weak. Meek is power and authority submitted, submitted to God. And when that happens, when that power is submitted in God to God, then the power of God, the life of God, abides in us and flows through us. It's very interesting. Jesus never lived as more than a man. And we look at his life and we say, well, you know, he was Superman. He could lift buildings and he could fly and he could walk on water and he could raise the dead. But you know what? It never came from his own deity because his every temptation was to call upon his own deity and he always said no. And he lived this life of complete dependence upon the Father. So what you see, the miracles we see in Jesus' life are the works of the Father the deity the Father flowing through a man. And that's why he said, the works I've done shall you do also in greater works than these. Well, the potential's there. <laughs> if you and I would abide in him, as Jesus abode in the Father, the life of the Father would flow through us in the same manner. Whether there be miracles, miracles, I don't know. But one thing we do know for sure, that which glorifies the Father the most, the fruits of the Spirit, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his meekness, his self-control, his very life would flow through us without limitation. And when that happens, Jesus says, my Father is glorified. He doesn't ever say Father is glorified in miracles. He doesn't ever say Father is glorified in, in manifestations of deity. Those were very evangelical events to, to prove the deity of Christ. He says, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works. But what God is glorified in is he says, is the Father life is manifest in me so my life will be manifested in you and this is the Father glorified. And then he goes on to talk about those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all that's good. Well, what's good and who's good? Well, the sum of all good is Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after Christ, after Father. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Come to me and drink, all you who thirst. 
and out of you will flow rivers of living water. And then he goes on to say, blessed are the pure in heart. And who are the pure in heart? Does this mean just that we're completely righteous? No, it means we're unmixed in our motives. We seek him only for himself, not for what he will do for us. Those are the pure in heart, he says, those will see God. And then he goes on to say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. And what is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a person who takes the peace of Christ and injects himself into the middle of a very problematic situation, <laughs> along with the truth of Christ. He takes the peace of Christ and the truth of Christ and plants himself in the middle of a very problematic situation. Jesus, by example, was the greatest peacemaker that ever walked the earth, but his peace was on this cross. But you and I every day have the opportunity to be peacemakers. But to be a peacemaker, we've got to go back and have all those other things in mind. We first must be, understand our need for him, mourn, live that life of constant repentance, confession and repentance. We must bring meekness. We must be submitted that the power of God resides in us. We must seek him only for what he is and who he is. And then when that happens, Father can insert us in almost any situation he wants to, and we are his man or woman for that situation. Now, the next verse, and the one we're going to talk about a little bit today, is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then he goes on to say, blessed are those, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice, be very glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in like manner they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Okay, he talks about two things, being persecuted for righteousness' sake, being persecuted for all that is good, and secondly, being persecuted for the very sake of his name. Is persecution something that we talk about a lot? Is it something that you would like to have happen to you? Does anybody in this room want to be persecuted? It's very interesting in scripture, after the parable of the, the rich young ruler, Jesus basically said, the rich young ruler said, you know, what must I do to, you know, if I want to follow you? Jesus said, just go give it all away and follow me. And he said he went away very sad. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. So his disciples said, you know, well, who can be saved? And he said, with God, all things are possible. And then Peter said, well, Jesus, we've left everything. What do we get? And Jesus said, you know, no man or woman ever left a home, father, mother, brother, sister, son or daughter, lands that will not receive in this world a hundredfold. I think when he said that, they were so excited. They were really excited. But then the next word out of his mouth, with persecutions. With persecutions. Paul tells us, it's his second letter to Timothy, all who live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you live a godly life, if you abide in Jesus and he abides in you, you and I will suffer persecution. Well, you know, Christians are so nice. They, why would anybody want to persecute a Christian? Well, you know what the scripture says? 
that when the Holy Spirit resides in you and me and his life is flowing through us, to the elect, to those people who are going to be saved, there is an aroma of Christ about our life. If there's an aroma of Christ about our life that attracts those who God has called before the foundation of the earth to know him. But to those who are not called of God, do you know what it says about our lives? It doesn't say that we're the aroma of Christ. The scripture says we are the stench of death. We are the stench of death. The Holy Spirit in us is the stench of death. C.S. Lewis said the worst place for an unbeliever would not be hell. The worst place for an unbeliever to spend eternity would be in heaven. Because that would be even a greater hell. Because the darkness hates the light. It hates the light more than anything in the world. When I got to college, I went to work for one of the largest corporations in the United States. I got in their management training program and started going up the ladder. And I was a somewhat new believer, but maybe not that new. I was about four years in Christ, 24 years old. And one day, someone asked me to, to lie about something. One of my superiors. And I said, well, he said, before you say anything, the end justifies the mean. Trust me. Just, just do this. It'll, it'll, it'll be good. This thing will not work out any other way. And I did it. But I felt terrible the next day, the moment I did it. I felt like virtue had just drained out of me. And some months went by, and another situation came up. And this situation was, well, just don't tell everything you know about this particular project, because it'll cast a bad light on it. He didn't ask me to lie. He just asked me to withhold all of the truth. And I did. And I walked away feeling much less of a man. And then the Holy Spirit really dealt with me. He said, Rick, do you want to live for me? Or do you want to live for men? And by the grace of God, he gave me the grace to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I really want to live for you. I do not want to be defiled. So as months went on and years went past, I was asked time and time again, to do things were just a little gray, to not say something when something should be said, to say something when something shouldn't be said, to go somewhere where I shouldn't go, to go with a bunch of guys and do something I shouldn't do. But by the grace of God, in meekness, I said, no, I can't do that. Well, what happened was kind of the elite group who felt real good about doing those things kind of really skyrocketed in the organization. And I still went up, but very slowly because I basically was persecuted because I wouldn't play the game. I wouldn't do those things. And there was persecution. And I noticed there's some young people here today. If you go to the international schools here, this fall, this summer, 
People are going to ask you to look at things you're not supposed to look at. They're going to ask you to talk about things you're not supposed to talk about. They're going to ask you to read things you shouldn't read. They're going to ask you to put things in your mouth you shouldn't put in your mouth. They're asking you to do things you shouldn't do. And you know what? If you don't do those things, you know what will happen? You're going to be persecuted. You're going to say, people are going to say, you're not cool or you're not neat. And we don't, you know, you'll be left behind. But I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, it's better to be left behind by the crowd than to be left behind by the Holy Spirit. Because without him, we have nothing. Because what should a man gain if he inherits the earth and forfeits his soul? Now, we're not talking about salvation because we cannot lose our salvation, but we can lose, we can lose the potential God has given each of us to be vessels in which Christ dwells and lives and moves and has his being. And if you and I live godly in Christ Jesus, we will be persecuted. There's no doubt. And if we will be in situations where people will say, are you a Christian? And you, and you can tell that the conversation's kind of hostile. Are you a Christian? It's easy to kind of put your head down and say, well, you know, I go to church from time to time. Just to say that little bit of persecution. It's very interesting. John talks about, it says, and you know, many believed in Jesus. Many believed in Jesus. But they had been told if anybody confessed him, they would be put out of the synagogues. And they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. So they wouldn't confess him. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, as I shared with you several weeks ago, what you see in the world, if you look just this weekend, we see in uh, Kuwait, um, was it Tanzania? 35 people killed, 38 people killed, a beheading in France. It's common grace, brothers and sisters, fathers just kind of withdrawing common grace from the world. Now, common grace keeps bad from being really bad, but he's just kind of letting it heat up. Why is he doing that? Because his plan ultimately is for a new world, a new creation. If you read the last book of the Bible, Revelation, all the grace is taken off. The good guys don't win, but at the last minute, the good guy Jesus puts his foot down on the earth and says, that's it. It's all over. And Lucifer is expelled and a new order is set. So these things that we see happening now are just signs that the world is pregnant. These are labor pains. But new birth, new life, new order is coming. Now, what's the role of a Christian? Jesus said, you know, if they call the, the leader, if they call me Beelzebub, if they call me the devil, what will they say about you? <laughs> if they don't believe my words, they're not going to believe yours either. Did Jesus spare his 
12 closest friends from persecution? All were persecuted. 11 of the 12 were martyred. But their experience of martyrdom was very different than Jesus's. Because Jesus was martyred on a cross without grace. Father withdrew himself from Jesus. Jesus went through hell physically and then had the weight of the sins of the world laid upon his spirit and the wrath of God against sin was poured out on him without reservation and he bore that without grace. John tells us that the Son was given the right to have life in and of himself. As the Father has life in himself, so has it been granted for the Son to have life in himself. Why was it important that the Son was able to have life in himself just as the Father had life in himself? The reason it's so important is that everything in this universe exists because of God. Even Satan exists because of God. If God withdrew, him, withdrew himself for a moment, Satan would cease to exist. But the Son needed to be able to have life in and of himself, so when the Father withdrew himself from him, he did not cease to exist. He existed and was able to bear upon himself God's wrath against sin. But because Christ went through that very dark day, you and I, brothers and sisters, never have to go through anything without grace. So in the first century, they were burning Christians on the stake. They were singing. They were singing. They were having an out-of-body experience. I'm confident that Father took away the pain. Fill them with grace. Fill them with grace. You should read about Polycarp. He said he smelled like bread burning. Now, hopefully none of us are going to be burned on the stake or filleted alive, but we will be persecuted. And as we abide in him, he will abide in us. He will give us grace to go through that. And it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, how could you be blessed? Well, Paul talks about that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. There's a fellowship that comes among all believers in the Spirit. When we're persecuted for Christ and we see the Spirit of Christ flowing through us, it brings us into a sweetness with Jesus that we've never had before. When I was persecuted in the corporate world, every time I, God gave me the grace to say, no, I can't do that, it was just like Jesus gave me a big kiss. And I just felt so close to him. I said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I went home, and I slept real good at night, and I could look my wife in the eye, and it was a good thing, and I could love my children. And I could talk to my children about Jesus and not feel like I was a hypocrite. Like I said, I've messed up from time to time, but <laughs> it's not my desire. You and I will suffer persecution if we choose to live godly in Christ Jesus. But the good news is, the persecution will be just an opportunity. The second you and I are persecuted and it doesn't steal our peace and our joy, it actually is a source of joy because we realized if that circumstance had happened to me before, I wouldn't have felt this way. So the end of the day is abide in me, what Jesus says, because in this world everything breaks, everything moves but me. And if we secure ourselves in anything in this world, when it moves and breaks, we move and break with it. But as we secure ourselves in him, when things move and break, we don't move, we don't break, and we can be the aroma of Christ in whatever situation we find ourselves in. 
So let me close this in prayer. And uh, Father, how good it is to be brothers and sisters. And Father, you know none of us want to be persecuted. But Father, you know that none of us want to be less than you recreate us to be. None of us want to be left by your Holy Spirit. None of us want to be uh, worth less than you intended us to be. So Father, by the grace, by your grace, would you empower us as those many believers before who were willing to say no to themselves and yes to you. And every man, before every man and before every circumstance they found themselves in, would you give us the grace to say no to ourselves and yes to you in whatever circumstance you place us in. That you, Lord Jesus, would manifest your life through us to a very broken and fallen world. And we make this prayer in your very name. Amen.